0: 15. and the Pasuk says, b'nei Yisrael, sarah b'nei Hashem, after the Hatsalot, in the time of ben Knez and after ben Knaz dies, Yisra'a K'lai reverts revert to doing a virus, Hashem is b'nei so HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses Eglon, the king of Moab, the neighboring country to Kha'i Yisrael, as a way to punish Kha'i Yisrael. So what did he do? Vayyeh so the two neighbors of Moab, on the one side was Amun, and the other was Amalek, and the three of them together, Vayyeh lech, Yisrael, they went to battle against the Jewish people, and they conquered yirat which was a place around Yerichoy, which was an easy place to capture, because like we saw, it wasn't the nach of any given Shevet. Eretzmarim, the area of Riche, was left for uh, whoever would eventually um, be the ones to inherit, or at least the ones who have the Mesamigdash in their territory. And therefore, it was given to the sons of Yisrael. who left, to, like we saw, to go learn in the, the mid So he takes Eretzmarim, but Lemaisi, he had a certain authority on Israel. And therefore, they were in servitude, which means that they pay taxes to Eglon for 18 years. The residents of here tomorrow. It's um, much more, more than that also. When it says B'nai Yisrael, it's much more than just one place. It's generally uh, B'nai Yisrael. I don't know if it was a whole nation. There was definitely the Shvatim, which were bordering Yirichai, which were, in this case, that was the area of Binyamin. Okay, so after 18 years, Klaus will cry out to Hashem to save them? Or we'll have to have to 18 we don't know. Because uh, the same thing in Mitzrayim, it has been Mitzrayim for many years. It is only at a certain stage that they decide to cry to Hashem. And uh, if that's what's going to set the Yeshua in motion, then it's just a uh, a tragedy for the wasted time which they could have cried earlier, they didn't. shall do Hashem Hashem lehem sends them, someone to save them. And it's Esaiya ben Gera ben Yamin, Esaiya ben Gera from Shaveh ben Yamin. It's interesting here that Hashem calls him a yishia. We saw previously when it talks, spoke about Asinah ben Klai, for example, it said he calls him a shaveh. And here it was uh here quotes the mashiah. Uh Sniel, like we saw previously, his main mah was that he was a Torah uh, teacher or talk of stature. But uh, Snail's main main uh was as a as a, lead, as a teacher who instructed who taught him Torah, and therefore Hashem used him as a Mashiah. Well, Chronologically afterwards. First he was the Mushia, then Hashem. Ruach the-, the Ruach Hashem was the spirit of leadership. Right. But I'm saying we know what Asnil's Maila was. Asnil's distinction was he was the teacher of terror, he was the, maybe the biggest time of we should say, and that's why Hashem chose him as the Moshiach. What I was going to say is by Eyud, by Hashem also uses him as the Moshiach. Hashem uses him as the one to save Israel. But uh, the Novi doesn't yet tell us what Eyud's distinction was. Why was he the one who deserved that? And as a snail, we already know who he was and what he did. But here, like points just, the points out also, because the first reference we have to Ayod is as the Moshiach, he, he was chosen to save close at this particular juncture. We don't know anything about Ayod before this point. Okay, but what we do know about him is the ish yad dimino. Um, there's a difference in the fashion. If that means he was left-handed, or that means there was actually something wrong with his right hand. Unfortunately, it means his right hand was partially paralyzed. And therefore, by default, used his left hand because his right hand wasn't functional. Either way around, he, wasn't, he was someone who didn't use his right hand, whether the left was strong or the right wasn't uh, fully operative. And he was used as the emissary, so to speak, to take the tribute that they used to send to Agar Malikmah. Now that wasn't unexpected. This was part of the servitude that Kli were in. They had to pay this annual tribute to, the tax to Eglah Mechamah. So that he was chosen as the missionary to, to, to bring, so to speak, the taxes or whatever was due to Eglah. The yastay ayuqheref v'lash taypias ayuq a double-edged sword. with <laughs> arka it was only a, like a short sword, not a long sword. And others would say like today, more like a knife than a sword. <laughs> He put it under his clothing on his right thigh. And uh, the description of this sword is the reason why uh, the Novi tells us it wasn't noticeable to the guards or to the soldiers in England's palace that he came in arms. And that is, there were three reasons. Normally, when people wore swords, firstly, the sword was a long sword. It was like used in combat, so it was quite a long sword. Um, also, swords weren't that were weren't, uh, sharp at both ends. It was like it was curved. Uh, sword, like more uh, like a sabre, which was also more noticeable, and it was worn outside the clothing on the left. Because that if a person needed to draw his sword, he would use his right arm to across his body to hold, like protect himself, to draw the sword in front of him. So that's where the sword was normally held. Ayo had made himself a short sword, it was like a more like a knife, more dagger, double-edged, and he put it on his right, uh, under his clothes. So it wasn't noticeable there. Right. So we see that... The, Basically, A had already planned what he wanted to do up front. It wasn't like oh, you just seize the opportunity. You have to make this weapon in advance. The difference between a knife, which is sharp on one side and flat at the top, to a double edge, which comes to a point, if you want to cut something sideways with it, so you need one edge. But if you want to use the points to yeah, like, stab out. something, you need both edges. Oh, yeah. right. so normally, a sword was used. To Okay, so then um, he brought this tribute to Eglon and it's, he wasn't by himself. There was obviously a procession of people who came together to bring this tribute. The okay, Novi tells us Eglon is a very large person, corpulent, but that's not necessary yet. We only need this information that comes later on. The um, Novi tells us now just because it's the first time it's described when coming to Eglon. After they had finished uh, bringing this tribute, so then he sends all the people who brought the tribute um, back again. Now, it's a the higher guess who the is going on. If it's going on Eglon, who dismissed everybody and brought in the Mincha, the was talking about Ayod, which means Ayod then left together with the sub procession of people. And he, walked, he, he went back with them, so to speak, either to the out of the palace or, according to the Methodist, to that, right back to the Jewish territory, right back to Mount And the reason he did that um, is because it was were well, two reasons. Number one, he didn't want to risk anybody else's life. Words, he knew what he wanted to do to try and attack Eglon, and uh, he wanted to take full responsibility for himself. Whereas had there been other people there, then they'd have all been held responsible had it not worked out. So he's willing to risk uh, the consequence on his own. He didn't want to endanger everybody else. That's uh, the one reason it's brought. Um, the other reason is, which is brought is it would make it easier for him to make a getaway afterwards. And you're going to see how he did that. So the fact that he was by himself would make it easier than it a lot of people. Okay. So anyway, he dismisses everybody else. And then he comes back by himself. who shall asher He comes back from the Apsilim, which is about Gilgal. Now the Apsilim, the Mufarsimah, explained to mean basically the quarry where there were personal upon him, where they used to cue stones so somewhere near Gilgal there, used to be, there was a quarry where they hid stones from and came back from there so this would be mentioned that he went back with the other people who had brought the gift the whole way to Gilgal which is back in, in, in Israel back in Jewish territory and he comes the whole way back by himself we'll see later why this was significant he comes back to the king and he says I have something private to tell you so the king wants to hear. So the king says, Give me silence, which means you know, give me privacy. So all the servants or the, the attendants of the king who were with him left him and he was alone with Ayat. Now, why would that make a difference to him? Because, uh, like he's going to tell the next person, the king understood that this private matter which Ayat wanted to tell him was some kind of a nibwa, some kind of nebouh, some kind of message from Hashem. In other words, had it been a message from Klai Yisrael, and I had just been there with the dignitaries who had come to give the mincha, there was no reason for him to come back a second time if Klai Yisrael wanted to deliver a message, he was already there. And that's also why they explain that he came back from the basillium. And that is uh, basically nevuah, at least for most of him, they achieved nevuah in a place of seclusion, not with a lot of other people. And therefore, to make the, the story more believable, if Ahad wasn't with a lot of other people, he came back from the, the psyllium, from being in a quarry, somewhere where he was by himself. And now he's coming back to the king again. It would be much more as coming as a bearer of prophecy rather than as a shliach of So that's why the king was willing to hear him. With Ayod by love, so Ahad comes nearer to him. Um, so he was now he was He has. Asked all his attendants to leave, so now he was on his own. The liasam Makera is uh, basically it was some kind of a, a, today call it a porch or a roof a balcony, which was which was shaded. It was mekere, like, was to keep him cool. So this was on the roof, which was more private and it was, it was also shaded. With, it was closed in. Whereas by himself, I have a message from Hashem for you, which was obviously what. The point of the, like I said, the way I have set, set it up, but you would believe that. So he gets up from his chair, basically to hear the devil. And this is something that um, Chazal compliments him for. That uh, when he heard that the message from Hashem, he got up from his chair as a sign of respect for Hashem. Now, okay. Now this was something that was easy for him. As we saw previously, he was a very big man. And therefore, to maneuver himself into the same position was... Significant effort, and uh, he was richly rewarded for this. Because of this, first, Eglon's daughter or granddaughter, Moraki, a Rus, became the became part of the Jewish people and became really the matriarch of the monarchy of Klal Yisrael. Oh. So this was a, this was a tsar for Eglon for making the effort to stand up to Advar Right now, the Mephoshim also pointed out that this was part of Eilat's plan. Eglon then was a descendant of and the first we explained, this was part of Ehud's plan, and that is, he knew that it would be difficult for Ehud to get up, especially if he's by himself and that there. And therefore, Eid wouldn't be paying attention to what Ehud was doing because he'd be busy trying to move himself into a standing position, which is what happened. And therefore, while Ehud was getting up, he uses his left hand, he takes the sword, or the knife, really, which is on his right thigh, and he sticks it directly into into Eglon's uh, stomach. Um, obviously, Eglon was caught unaware, and the force he thrust the, the knife into him. The handle went off to the blade. In other words, he forced the whole knife into into Eglon. And then the wounds were so deep that the layers of fat covered over the sword, so it wasn't noticeable on the outside at all that he had been stabbed. And he didn't um, remove the sword. He left it it inside him. He left it like that. Now, Vayetzai Parashtana. There's a makhlaik's motion just to translate the word. What does it mean? Um, There's also explain it, that this was talking about uh, Ayot himself. The Malvim explains that Vayetzai Parashtana, is he went out of the room towards the Parashtana, which was a part of the palace, um, which he left, most of the will explain it not like that. Most, most, most of us will explain it that the parish donor is a word for, what the calls the parish, which is all the, basically all the waste product in the intestines. So by sticking the knife directly into the intestines, so basically all, everything inside emptied out. Now, why is it important? Because that's going to explain to us what happens in the next process. So after he leaves this kind of closed porch where the king was, Va'Yiska dalto sheliah ba'adav elah. He closes the doors behind him and he locks them. So the servants see him leaving. So you guys, that's all the servants now so they want to come back in again. Ba'avodav bo, the servants of Eglon come back. by Va'yiru, and they see v'le dalto sheliah no'olos. They see that the doors of the ark are locked. Va'yomer they say ach mesichu esraglo b'chad mekeret. He must be which means a bowel movement inside his private room. They didn't want to disturb him. Why would they think that? This is what the top was there before. Because when Ayah stared him, and all the contents of his stomach emptied out, so it had the same smell as had he been having a needing to use the facilities. And remember, that's why the servants outside who could smell it thought that's what was happening. Okay, so they wait They wait for a long time, which means, we have this word a few times in the night it means that they waited long enough they didn't, that they were really didn't make sense to wait anymore. He didn't open the doors again. So then they opened, until now they didn't open from the outside as a sign of respect for him. It was too long, it doesn't make sense. They, used, they opened with the key. They could open from the outside just like I had locked it from the outside. And we find that he's lying on the floor dead. Okay, so in the meantime, while they were waiting, Eid used a chance to escape. He goes back from where he came from, which was the quarries, and he disappears to the Sierrasa, which Rashi explains as being a forest, a forest forested area. Uh, there are a uh, number of strands explaining it like that also. It's an unusual use of the word. The Radak and the Masudra just explain the name of the place. Anyway, when he got, when he gets there, He blows the shofar, which was a sign of to gather everyone to fight. And he goes as far as Harif which is uh, much more in the middle part of Israel. Again, Moab is on the other side of the Jordan. Even today, when you see the mountains on the other side of the Jordan, they're called Harim so he came back from where he came to Gilgal, and he came to Eratmurim, where, uh, where their region, which was on other banks of Jordan. Which side of that from that? On the other side of the Arden? Which side of the, east? the eastern side the of the earth. He, he crosses back into his own western side of the island. but then he doesn't go to Shevet and which is where he's from. He goes to Hare which, like I said, is the central region where it's Israel. That's where he gathers, where uh, yeah. you sure his father was from. I I he shows from Hare Yes, hundred percent. That's the right? The whole middle part of Eretz today Shiloh and Shechem, that whole area in the middle of the today is all Prime. right? so he tells the people who gathered, off to gather. run after me. is giving into your hands. in Basically, the Yard places where it was possible to cross, the crossing points of the yard. And they, <coughs> they managed to capture the the bar- to the, the Ayad. And the reason for doing that is, as Mavoshni pointed out to us, that when Moab sent uh, their forces into Eretz Yisrael to conquer Eretz Yerichoy and then enforce the authority of Agdon, so they had a standing army in Eretz Yisrael. So Ayad's plan was to cut them off from being, being able to rejoin the main Mayabi army on the other side of the river. So by blocking, so to speak, the crossing points, now they had separated the two from each other. They, they and They defeated Moab, they killed 10, about 10,000 people. And these were the Moabim who were in Eretz Yisrael. Now, this was the, now that they had blocked them returning to Moab, the country, so now they managed to fight the Moabim who were in Eretz Yisrael. shaman b'chol Every fat man and every soldier, uh, we'll see the significance of that in a minute, but I didn't nobody could escape because, again, the only way to escape was to cross back of the Arden and, and being as they had, that that's where the Jewish force was located, the Ransom, they had basically been trapped in you know, Israel, mm-hmm. and that's how they managed to kill all of them. They didn't take any prisoners? No. It doesn't seem like how it. we have to do this deception, right? just the escaped. The says, so the, uh, we don't see uh, the bunch of says go kill them. The guy, the And the Mashiach was by taking away the Moabite control of And the well, we don't find Hashem Not uh, also we don't find that they attacked Moab, the country of Moab. Basically there was a, they, they blocked the the return of the Moyabi army in Eris Israel back to Moab again and they destroyed all the, the attacking force. But they not we don't find them. they went on the offensive and they went to find Moab on in turf. As a result, Moab was 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 so to speak brought down. They humbled themselves, Now they didn't try and rule over Eretz Israel anymore. And then after Ayod, there was a period of peace, of, so to speak, tranquility for 80 years. God is explaining that to Kanda the victory of Ehud and that was the, the downfall of Mayav. There are two points, maybe, just for a moment, to pay attention to what's interesting in the story. The first one is that both the definition of Ayod as being someone who is extremely fat and then also when they yeah, killed Eglon, Eglon sorry, being someone is extremely fat. And also when it talks about the ten thousand Mo'avim that they killed in Eretz Israel. so then it was talking about the soldiers, which was the Ishkayim, which means the soldiers. they also Kol Shaman. What was the significance of that? So that was a sign of distinction mark. Here also the Kol Shaman is like well, that was the nobility. You know, the soldiers were the soldiers, and the nobility were described as being fat. It, we will see this also in the future. That was part of uh, Mojave culture, if all, so the way they looked at it, that that was a sign of importance. And therefore, if uh, the nobility were considered fat, then the king had to be extra big, that like him ex-, an extra chasheves. So that's why it's not just by chance. It's not just by chance that uh, he's described like that. It was part of his prestige as being the king. And um, that's the one point. Which means why uh, was that, uh, and that not only was that uh, integral to the story and understanding why it was described like that, but it's interesting that was also his undoing because that's how A managed to kill him. Both, like we saw, that it was an easy way, so to speak, to uh, to kill him, and also that that way, as you saw, he was uh, busy trying to get himself out of his chair, which means he wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. Okay, so, and also it's interesting that even though he was a non Jewish king, like the rest of Moab, he still respected the uh, Dvar Hashem, and after he's willing to stand up for it. It's interesting, and uh, why did. We see two things here which are really. Moab, as we said previously, was a descendant, was a son of Lot. And uh, we see here the, let's say, the spiritual descendant of Lot, both was good about Lot and was bad about Lot. And just it came to fruition in the in, the, in Maya, which was really the generation which came from one of the nations which came from it. On the one hand. Lot had a weakness for physical excess. That's why he went to stone. Right when Avram told him where do you want to leave to and when you see Lot is the end of the Yahis called Kikarayard then he kikara could mash get a place of plenty as a place of indulgence. So Lot had that weakness that he looked for a place of physicality um, of every kind. So Mojave inherited that from him. And therefore if the Kashivas of Lut was how big a person could be, so it was that same uh, preoccupation, let's say, with food, with uh, Kashmir. On the other hand, even with all of that, the male of Lot is that he... he, well, he the one thing he took with him from the house of Avram is that he still respected Hashem. He still respected Hashem. And therefore, we see that he doubted Hashem to save him when he wants to leave. And uh, when. Right, when he wants to leave. And then uh, when Malachim comes to him as a message of Hashem, he listens to them. And that also carried him to his descendants. And so we find by Eglon, both of these, so to speak, attributes of Lot. On the one hand, the interest in physical access, that was the negative side. On the other side, the fact that he was willing to respect RSN and that he that's what gave him his mind, that he stood up for that. This is also something interesting that. Before I should point out, we know that uh, besides for the physical Maila of Stom as it being very plentiful and prosperous let's say which would cultivate the time for food, for eating, right? The other the other ill of Lot was like more says about him, he was Lot Achabul Rice. Somebody who was looking for the pleasure of a Rice which was also what Stom offered and uh, here also. Mayapi we were the spiritual descendants of Lot. We know in the Midbar that uh, what caused the downfall of twenty-four thousand Jews after the story of Bilam was the bnei yes. The bnei Sma'ot that, uh, that that was the same, uh, so to speak, attribute or tribute which came from Lot. That the weakness of Ma'ot was that either here we see physical pleasure regards to eating, there we see physical physicality in regards to rise. It's brought down Levadariza that if you look think about it, Moyav is a gematria forty nine. Mem is forty, above six, aleph one, is two, which is nine. So it gives like forty nine, and it says that that's why Moyav was all the memta of a rice of of gashmius was by That's the one side. That was the that was another example of the ra. Of the of Moev, there also, even though it's expressed differently, but we see the other matter also, and that is we see that they the respect, or they were scared of Hashem, and that's how we see when Balak, the king of Moav, right, he realizes that Israel's Kayach isn't coming from uh, something physical, that they can a stronger army, uh, that it's coming from Hashem, and that's the whole reason he brings in Bilam. Polak, the king of Moth. Right? And that's what he brings in right. because maybe I can get Hashem to curse them. Right. And this, Again, it's a perversion of the principle but it's the same idea. Moab is the same two minus. On the one hand, oh, oh, the minus, the same two aspects. On the one hand, uh, rampant physicality or immorality, whatever it's going to be. On the other hand, there's a respect for Hashem. That they, that, that, that they live from over And therefore in the case of Agnes, in fact, they set up in the case of Bologna, that they realize that we can't attack lies, so we need somebody to get Hashem to curse them, that's the only way we're going to be with Slich over them. It's uh, that's something which we they respect that they we're scared of. But right, so that's something which passed down in the dares of in the dares of Maev as well. Do the other ones the same thing?